Hello, I'm Russell Howard, and this is Wonderbox. A Wonderbox is a place where you keep the things that remind you of the stuff you adore. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where I ask some people what they put in their Wonderbox and have a chat about the most amazing moments of their lives. Joining me this week is one of the biggest selling comedians in the world. He's best known for hosting some of Britain's most loved panel shows and his current live tour, Terribly Funny, has already sold over a million tickets around the globe. This is Jimmy Carr's Wonderbox. Here we are with uh, Jimmy Carr. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I need no introduction, but that's just my ego talking. Well, we could do your old gag. What? uh, Jimmy Carr. (laughs) Jimmy Carr. I just love that joke. Yeah, it's a good joke. And my my name sounds like my name in a Jamaican accent. That is the beginning and the end of that joke. I think that was the first joke I saw you tell. Really? Yeah, 98 at the So You Think Funny. 99, no less. 99, yeah, in Edinburgh we met, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. very fun. Very fun time. I kind of feel like we've come in at exactly the right time. I I, I kind of feel like comedy's going through something... (sighs) Very special at the moment. Yeah. Like the last 20 years, it's become something that like, in the way that music had its moment uh, and movies really in the 70s. Yeah. And and then the industry got involved and, you know, movies became studio movies and then independents were a different thing and music became a bit more commercialised. I mean, there's amazing stuff from the 80s and 90s. Of course there is. But the 70s really was kind of a creative space where it's undeniably just great. And it feels like... We're, we're sort of the heirs apparent, like the guys that came, the George Carlins and the Billy Connollys and the Richard Pryors, it feels like they were John the Baptist. It feels like they sort of laid this framework for, oh, there's a new language yeah. and you can think like this. Yeah. I love the idea that it's a, it's a different way of thinking. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a medium. What's it about? It's about finding your voice. Yeah. Well, that's important for everyone. Yeah. And it's about finding a way to communicate what's odd about life. Yes. And that's is, the ma- isn't that the whole thing? But that's the majesty of stand-up, that, that laughter is a confirmation that you're not insane. When you tell a joke and you've made an observation about the world and you say it in front of strangers and they laugh, it's that lovely way of going, I knew I wasn't mad. Yeah. And it's the it's the seeds of freedom, because it's, <laughs> oh, that's a great title for you. It's Jimmy it's, Carr's "The Seeds of Freedom." But it is it, it's that yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it'd be a great book. Um, the it's the idea that you go, it's questioning. Yeah, and it but but it's such and the great thing about stand up is really anyone can do it because it's Shh, sh- for fuck's sake. <laughs> but you can. But you're but you, but, but Jimmy, you just couple said of you, chances. You want in kids. twenty years time, oh, in 20 Russell. Years. Fair I've enough. still got bills to pay. <laughs> I think you're all right. But no, you know but, what I mean. That thing of yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like the barriers to entry are nothing. Yeah, and it's sort of that thing where it's just about. There's a brilliant book. Um, by the who's the guy that produced uh, the Jay Z Nine Nine Problems? Big Rick Rubin. It's a fantastic book about creativity. Yeah, he's right? extraordinary. And the sort of tenant of it is just follow your nose, just be aware and try and listen to those little voices that sort of drop into your head. And now with like an iPhone or whatever, you can just have this little thought and you write in your phone and then you get back on your desk. That moment of sitting and trying to figure out the funny, I absolutely love that. In a way, I, I never used to when I was a kid. I used to like writing on stage, whereas now, do you know what I mean? Trying to unravel your own madness. I love it. I think that thing about as well, the feedback loop is very pleasing yeah. with comedy of like, it's it's making friends with failure, stand up. Right. It's like we fail. So I've written I've written so many more jokes that don't work yeah. than anyone listening to this. Yes. So many more. Oh, yeah. Like almost, I mean, it's it's comical yeah. how many jokes I've written that don't work at, like, at all. Just I, like a stony silence, nothing. I've thought, often thought it'd be really great to see... Uh, comedians partners have to do the hour that didn't work <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah like because they've heard it like my wife's who heard did, it all mate. who did that dice clay did that dice clay when he did was he? at the absolute height of his, have you not heard this I've so heard dice clay that, when he did the, the, the day did, that laughter dies yeah he yeah, did yeah. like five nights at the um madison square gardens yeah. and then on the way home he dropped into a club at like 12 30 there's six people in the in the crowd and he does a set where he dies, and they put it out. And isn't there a bit where he, he says something? He kind of goes, yeah, so I've got this uh, this orange juice, and it doesn't look guy in the front row go, did it suck your cock? <laughs> like it's, but it's, he's just yeah. withering. properly stiffing. Yeah. No, so, he's, he's quite something. Right, let's crack on. So what's the first thing you're going to pop in your, uh, in your wonder box? 
Oh, oh yeah. The, the, what is it? Five objects. You can put at least five. If you want to put more in, it's fine. Oh, I'll put loads in then. Five but... things that you adore into a box that you keep forever and that you could open up and you can tell your kids, your friends and your family. And these small things tell us about you. First thing. Yeah. Tennis scoreboard. A tennis scoreboard? The scoreboard. I think the scoring in tennis is one of the great... It's, it's just... It's genius. 15, 30, 40. Based on a clock originally. Right. Based on the French. Okay. So it was like 15, 30. I don't know what happened with the 45 versus 40. It's the French. What are you going to do? Yeah. And then oof was egg uh, for, for love. Uh, the It's just a great system. The game's kind of never over until it's over. Yeah. It's just the best scoring system in sport. I can't understand. Like, I don't really get football. Right. You, you play for 90 minutes. All yeah. right. Well, don't. Don't count up to 90. Count down. Some sense of entertainment here, people. What are you talking about? <laughs> why would they count up to... Why, if it's 90 minutes, why wouldn't you count down? That's insanity. That's a I bad... Mean, okay, but you can do that yourself. And you, you, I mean, you could watch the game and count down. Well, in American sports, they count down and a buzzer goes off. That's exciting. And the thing, and the last minute, they, oh, and then our one, they go, 90 minutes, but we're going to play for a little bit longer. Ah, it's... I think your sort of team sports or your individual sports. I see. Yeah. I think you've got like a thing of you know, and maybe it's when you were a kid and what you grew up yeah. kind of like. I didn't really do much sports as a kid. I started tennis very late in life. Yeah. And I just loved it. I love that idea of kind of because it is flow state. Even if you're not good at sport, and I'm not good, I'm not very sporty. Yeah. But that thing of like doing something once a week where you're in a flow state. We're yes. very lucky. Our jobs are kind of flow state. So mm -hmm. by flow state, I mean you kind of lose track of time. And that tends to be where you're happiest in life. Yes. Where you go, well, I, I know I know, I played for an hour, mm. but it just, I wasn't really aware of it. I was just in the moment trying to, I was trying to think of that thing. Yep. It's almost like you, your conscious mind is so busy yeah. that your subconscious can just kind of relax. And I think tennis for me kind of fulfills that in terms of it's joyful and I don't really care about the score, but I love the scoring system. Yeah. And I love the, I love the game. I like watching it. I like playing it. So, because uh, I've often thought, like, when you try and do mindfulness and you're told to be in the now, it's very hard. Whereas, like you say, if you play sport, I'm exactly the same with, like, football, that, you know, as soon as you get the ball, you're not thinking about a joke you've got to do. You're not thinking about a TV show. You're not thinking about tours and shopping or your wife or whatever. You're just kind of like, he's there. I'll go there. And it's this yeah. lovely... Well, that thing of like going, there's a there's a definition of anxiety, that anxiety is your mind problem solving for the future. Right. And that we tend to be more anxious in this day and age because our immediate problems have been taken care of. Right. In in, in large part. Mm. So, um, you know, food and shelter in the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Self-actualization. So the idea that you go in that moment when you're busy with a ball and he's coming towards you and you've got to get past him mm. or you've got to hit that forehand correctly and in the sweet spot of the racket and you're thinking about three things you can't be thinking about the future you're in that mm. moment because you've got a problem right now so what is it te what's tennis what was specifically the scoreboard it does that just remind you of time just billowing past yeah just it seems like time very well spent yeah in that kind of flow state and i love the idea of i like watching it as well i like watching because you can watch kind of the greats yeah and you can kind of go well i've it's a bit like, I think people talk about it with golf. Like you could have one good shot mm. during the day, one back end down the line that you just go, that's worth coming out for. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Are you a grunter? Am I a grunter? Yeah. Yes, I am, yeah. But back to tennis. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, are you a uh, no, double no. backhand? The, the backhand, I mean, at the moment, it, a, a gracious... I mean, it, listen, if you haven't got great eyesight, lose the glasses, yeah. Federer, you'd think it was Federer. Yeah. From yeah. a distance. But you're very, it, it's its very odd picturing you. I can't imagine anyone, like I see you and I see you in a suit. I remember seeing you in a pair of swimming shorts in Montreal and it freaked me out. Because yeah. I'm just well, not. What, what are you doing in my bedroom yeah, at four yeah, in the morning? Exactly. I was like, this is not a swimming pool. But, <laughs> Who are they? But it was, you're just one of those guys you don't anticipate seeing your nipples. And yeah. I'm not saying your nipples are peculiar, they're lovely, but it's I, I'm imagining yeah. you... I could see that. I think when it's you also... wear what do you wear for tennis? I imagine it's proper old school Fred Perry. Everything's neat. No, just like I mean, it's always tennis kits. Always very matchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. No, I, yeah, very matchy. No, I, I kind of get that thing though, where you've got your your perception of what someone is. Yeah, is very is locked in. Like as soon as the public has made a decision, yes. even your friends have made a decision about who you are and what you're about. It's like yeah. ah, you're not going to change their mind. Yeah. 
Because if you, beyond a certain age, that's why I think it's really healthy to kind of move schools when you're a kid, because you can sort of reinvent yourself fully. Or why go, why do people go traveling? Because you get to decide who you are. If you yeah. go on your own, you get to decide who you are when you get there. And that's the majesty of stand-up, really, is that nobody knows who you are until you go on stage, and then you can be whatever you want to be. It's interesting, that thing is, well, most comics that I know, when they started, sort of didn't tell anyone, or yeah. didn't tell many people, just kind of went, why um, would you possibly risk it? Imagine, yeah. imagine inviting your mates to your first ever gig, because, like you say, there's no maybe way... Just, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe anyone that did that never did a second yeah, gig. Yeah, yeah. Because how can you possibly convince them that you're the comedian Jimmy Carr as opposed to us, oh, Jimmy? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's sort What's of... What's he doing? Yeah, ex exactly. It's that, whereas... I, think, I still think my mates from school all think, what? Right. Why would anyone yeah. pay good money to see this? Ah, he never fucking shuts up. Why would you go and see him? It's a weird thing as well because the the I'm not a big entourage guy. I, I really like time alone. Right. I really like that thing of going. You're wow, in the gig that's and you. You know, I, I tend not to. I don't have a support. I like to kind of because that's kind of where I get the work done. Right. I get the work done on the road, on the way to the gig, yeah. on the way home from the gig. It's like t totally peaceful. There's nothing else going on. Yeah. The, the modern world is so full of distractions. So that thing of like train rides and uh, you know driving back late at night, just you've got time to think. That's so interesting because whenever I see you, you throw, you know, notorious, fantastic big parties. I, I think of you as very much a people person. But mm. yeah, that makes total sense that you kind of then sort of compartmentalise your time. So you're like, right, party's there, gig there, this is me. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, you know, all things in moderation, whatever you like. I mean, a big party's fun, but it's, yeah. uh, you can't be doing that the whole time. What's the second thing? That's second thing. Okay, second thing. What have we got? Uh, oh, uh, unsurprisingly, I think, coffee machine. I, I love coffee. I've always liked coffee. I was sort of given coffee by my mother when I was about maybe three, I guess. Wow. My first coffee. Uh, yeah, she used to like send us for an afternoon rest, but she would give me a nice milky coffee beforehand. <laughs> right. Because, you know, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've always liked it. I've always kind of, it, and I suppose what it represents to me, it's kind of, it's a paradox because it's relaxation. Yeah and sitting with friends and having a coffee and yeah. the ritual of that. And it's also, it's kind of liquid agency. It's right, we're getting something, we're up in the morning, we're doing something, let's have a coffee, let's go. Right. Great. So you like the setting of it. So as soon as you have your sip, that's your, your you feel like you're putting the right fuel in. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, in another world, it would be, I put cocaine in there, but it's like, I don't, don't do anything. So it's like, the closest I get to cocaine is, I'll have an espresso martini, Yes. With tequila, not coffee. Ooh. I would strongly recommend. Yeah. Like one of those, like seven in the evening, if you've had a long day and you're doing something social in the evening and you go, wow, I'm exhausted. I want to be in bed, really. One of those. What are you calling that? Have you given it a name? I, uh, 4 a.m. anxiety <laughs> is the unofficial name. My, I'd like some anxiety about 4 a.m., please. My, I'd like, like to feel super relaxed for the next sort of 10 hours. Yeah. And then I would like all the anxiety to come crashing in. Yeah. Whoa. My brother had eight of those um, once, uh, espresso martinis. Has he slept since? No, in Dubai. And he had the temerity to blame his guts the next morning on right. a bad bit of sushi. Yeah. <laughs> the espresso martini is apparently invented at the Groucho in, really? in London. It was, I think it was, well, legend has it, it was Kate Moss that came in from the, the red eye from New York and said, I need something to wake me up and fuck me up. And the old bartender there, who's no longer with us, sadly, rustled up one of those. And that was kind of the... So, I mean, it's really an Irish coffee, I suppose, but it's like the reinvention of it and the coffee beans on top and the whole thing. But that's a real window into the things you can say if you're magnetically attractive. If Dean Gaffney went into the Groucho and said, yeah. I need someone to wake me up and fuck me up, yeah. they'd kick him out. They're, they're, Some, someone would have called his dealer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but nobody's spending time. Well, there's a, there's a theory on that, isn't there? There's a theory on... You know, how attractive, you know, some people are so beautiful that they have genetic celebrity is the term. It's a really interesting sort of theory on like, there's a level of, like, we only see the world through our eyes. We only have our experience of the world. So we know, we sort of never know what it's like. So your supermodels never see what it's like. Yes. So they don't know what it's like to lift something up into the overhead compartment. It's never happened. Yeah, exactly. But it's just that thing. Imagine being able to go into a bar and say, I need someone to wake me up and fuck me up. And someone go, okay. I'll find something. I'll invent yeah. an incredible cocktail. <laughs> but like, if that's you or me, they'll just kind of go, mm, there's a bit of coffee, there's a bit of Coke. Well, I suppose it's that thing of it's... Do you want me to shoot up your arsehole? It's <laughs> charisma, isn't it? It's yeah. And a great definition of charisma was you want to say yes before they've asked the question. Right. They just walk in the room and go, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I wrote about this. I think it's a really interesting thing, like charm versus charisma. Yeah. So the example I gave was like Donald Trump. Yeah. Very charismatic. You come to me. Obama, very charming. Head to the side. I come to you. I'll explain what the thing is. He's speech pattern, the whole thing. It's very charm. Angelina Jolie, very charismatic. Jennifer Aniston, very charming. It's like they're slightly different things. And knowing what you are, I think, is quite important. So where do you stand? 100% charisma, zero charm. <laughs> I'm not, there's a reason I'm not on ITV1 hosting something. I'm not, I've got no warmth. That's fine. It's okay, we're friends. You don't need to no, go. Oh, he just said something true about himself that seems a bit harsh. Oh, no, no. But I, you're, you're, I would say you're warm. You've got empathy. No, but we've had lots of like very full-on chats. Yeah. That's what's surprising about you. Yeah, but it is surprising. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact, that, the, fact that I'm, the fact that I'm a nice guy is quite a well-kept secret. I think <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you've seen my stage persona, you go, this guy's got the jokes and that will do. Yeah, 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 true. But, Great. but that's what's so fascinating when you spend time. I remember when my dad met you in Australia. Do you remember that? And went, oh, yeah. He's lovely. But they were all like really worried because they thought you were just going to rock up and start rinsing people and you were asking them about their day. And you could see they're all kind of like going, right, any second, <laughs> here, comes the, here, here comes the twist. You know, it's, it's great. I, I remember that years ago, Frankie doing a joke where he said, on Mock the Week, he said, his daughter had said, Daddy, what do you love the most in the world? And Frankie said, I love you. And he said, what, what do you love? And his daughter went, chips. And it did fine. And Frankie was going, why doesn't it work? And I was like, because the audience don't think you're finished. Yes. You, you maniac. They're, they're, yeah. they're worried, where's that chip going? Where's that chip going? <laughs> is that kid still alive? Is yeah, she? yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was... it's that thing of like what people, what people have booked. Like I, I, I kind of heard this thing recently and I really liked it, the idea of what, what the world has ordered. Right. Right. So the, for us, the world ordered a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. Anything else we do is a sideshow. Yes. It, like presenting TV shows, great. Doing a podcast, great. Bit of acting here and there, bit of writing. All of the other stuff is fun, as long as it doesn't get in the way of the thing that we do. Absolutely. Like, I sort of think we're not really in show business. We're showbiz adjacent. Yeah, I and you have to be, because you have to sort of see that it's silly, and you have to be able to joke about it. Like, it was a bizarre moment on The One Show yesterday. That, you know when you go on the one show, it's that strange thing where it's I like I think I'm currently am I banned from the one show? I'm, maybe, but it's like you're having to talk. I'm the reason you have to sign that form saying I won't swear on the show. I think. Is that right? Yeah, or I'm responsible for everything I say. But why? Why, why do we have me on? But why do we have this thing where we have to talk in that that way? Like Gabby Logan told this great story. There was her. She was um, doing karaoke in Texas. She was brilliant, really great. And we were all that was very good. Well done. And you're having that sort of odd, sort of jolly hockey stick story. And it's like you're meeting the in-laws for the first time. You know, like Lee Evans yeah. used to have that joke. How are you? Very well. Cup of tea? Yes, please. You know, it's this very weird. And then the camera stopped. And then Gabby Logan went, oh, Christ. When I did that for Stars in the Rise, I had to do two takes because after the first one, this, this lady came over and went, oh, we're really great at that, Gabby. Really enjoyed it. We're going to have to do it again because your wig tilted slightly and you look like Myra Hindley. <laughs> so, and it was so... <laughs> But so funny, yeah. And and that's how people talk, yeah. But and isn't it, but isn't it of... weird that in TV at the minute we got with this this is weird? We better not be ourselves. Well, why are podcasts huge at the moment? Exactly because be authenticity. I think it's it's weird the way that the, our culture's gone because we've gone very, no attention span. People write a lot about the no attention span. Yeah, right. The idea oh, everyone's on TikTok now. The kids are looking at Instagram and they're oh, instant. You can't hold their attention. There's also podcasts that are three and a half hours long yeah. and Game of Thrones that's 60 hours long with like character arcs that Dostoevsky wouldn't be embarrassed about. Mm. Like it's kind of in both directions. It's very extreme mm. uh, the way things have gone. I think that thing about the authenticity though, is that not why people want to come out and see stand-up? Absolutely. Because there's, although everything I say on stage is a joke, comedians leak. There's kind of a truth to it. It feels very authentic. Yeah. And there's just kind of fun in the air and it's just at its best. It's just a room where you could just lose yourself and just howl with laughter and then you just bounce on with the rest of your day. Yeah. Well, it's, it's I mean, I suppose to stand up that thing of it's the two, it's the perfect drug mix. Yeah. Because it's the serotonin of happiness yeah. uh, when you're laughing. But it's also the dopamine hit. The dopamine hit of not quite knowing, I know there's going to be a joke. Where's the joke? Mm. Where's it coming? Mm. Where's the punchline? What's the, you know, it, it, that thing of like, not to get in the, in the, in the weeds of stand up, but if you do, you know, three pullback reveals in a row, it's a law of diminishing returns. You have to mix up the the, the structure and types of jokes you're telling mm. because it, people have to not quite expect where the punchline is. I often think as well, it's 
like stand up so visual like you'll you'll see something or you'll think something and and you almost see the joke in a cartoon way and it just goes blip 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 and then the job is to take that visual find the words that communicate the visual joke that we've yes. seen instantly do you know what i mean it's yeah. sort of and then what's the perfect word what's it's, the... you're directing the movie in their mind yeah that's yeah. no, a very good way to look at it i think What's the next thing? The next oh, the next thing in, in, your, the, in, in your wonder box. Uh, suit, a suit, perfect suit. A perfect. Um, suit. I mean, I I love a suit. It's just, it's the perfect piece of clothing, right? And it's kind of and there's there's kind of a, a never ending kind of quest for the the perfect suit. So you would say a suit is the perfect clothing. I always feel very kind of constricted in a suit, and I've got I've got a nice one. I got one from um, who's what? that? that? One. Yeah. See, no. I would say in terms of perfect clothing, shorts, a nice pair of like Adidas loose fitting shorts. Those, are, that's perfect. <laughs> Just whacking them on. You don't have to put a top on. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, okay. That, well, I mean, agree to disagree. Let's not fall out over this. But no, I, I, I like a, a nice. I like the whole experience of going to see, um, getting it fitted, having it made, getting it done, and then putting it on specifically for work, but even for like. Taking uh, taking my girl out, the idea, you know, dressing up for that, yeah, and feeling okay, we're doing something nice. Let's go. I, it's a weird thing where it's kind of gone from our culture. I, Liverpool's got a little bit of it left. Liverpool on a Friday, Saturday, yeah, on a Saturday, people dress up, yep, and you go to the gig and you look out and you go, God, people look great. Everyone's dressed up, yeah, and it's a way of kind of showing each other, you know, how much you mean. It's it's another way of communicating kind of affection. I think you kind of show up, and I I think that for me. Showing up in a suit on stage, I want people to feel like, yeah, this guy's at work. This right. guy's working. He's working for us. No, I, I, I it like... communicates something. It's like the non-verbal of it of going, he's a professional. He's putting effort. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can all relax. But then, if I w wore a suit on stage, it just doesn't. I would look like a championship footballer, or yeah. or, or like an estate agent that's going to try and bang your wife. Well, at some stage, you have to stop dressing like a toddler. But I don't know when it is. This is. The I don't know. I mean, at some stage. But again, to go back to authenticity, that's you. That's your authentic self. Yeah. We're wearing a suit, it fits. You look great. Whereas I look like I'm pretending to be a stand, I'm pretending to be myself but as that, a stand. Isn't that interesting? The the everyone's playing a status game. Everyone's yeah. like signalling to someone else. Yes. If you wear a suit, you're in that you're in that game. Okay, we'll go to this guy, and get your uh -huh. suit made. It's very interesting that that when where do we find that? You know, in in our early, probably when we first met, yeah. you were I was maybe I was a little bit older. I was like mid twenties. Yeah. But that thing really sort of defining who we are. Yes. Yeah, and it was like I remember when I first started doing stand up. I was eighteen. I used to have like kind of longer hair, and like kind of curtains. And I remember thinking I should cut them. I, it should be shorter, because who wants to see some twat on stage with kind of curtains? Kind of right. But so I was thinking, right, I need to make myself look less yeah. young. It's a visual medium. I mean, I don't want to mention any names, but I can think of a couple of stand ups that are great. And they never looked good on stage. Yeah. And they all they kind of needed was a stylist, I thought. Right. That's interesting. You know, but the it, thing of like the, the look being absolutely perfect. Well, well, it's it, like Billy Connolly's a really good example of someone that just walks on stage, the beard yeah. and the hair and the... You go, yeah, of course. But, um, but then... Of course. When Billy Connolly was younger, he used to wear like banana shoes and kind of like leggings and kind yeah. of a bit of a cape. So he had his kind of like... What's well, interesting where he came from, where that like that thing of like you go, how new is stand-up comedy? Compared to music has been played for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. People come to see one guy on stage talk for two hours. Yeah. New. When, when, Pretty new. When did that start? Well, the comedian is headliner. There's never a first. There's never a first anything. Right. But I think in terms of going when it became something that people were very interested in seeing in the, in, in the masses, yeah. uh, like huge numbers of people, it's pretty recent. Mm. It's like, and then it went up a gear with, you know, Eddie Murphy doing the first kind of arena tour. Mm. And then kind of no one else did an arena tour for years. You know, Steve Martin, then it was Eddie, then it was, you know, and that was in the States. So we were mm. just hearing about that. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Someone like Billy Connolly never played arenas, which is kind of mad, given that he's, you know, the yeah. greatest. But it's sort of like it was. He was doing the Albert Hall, and he was playing like the Hampshire of Apollo, the Odeon, what it's called there. But it's so odd now that you get to think, God, there's comics that have that are kind of playing arenas. What's well, interesting, but have you not noticed the last year in music? It has changed. 
be more music post pandemic they've gone from arenas to stadiums yes. everyone everyone just leveled up maybe it's a post covid thing of like people wanting to go out and feel part of something because mm. we spend our lives on our screens you know, the reason I love kind of comedy shows is you laugh so much more live. Mm, mm. You know, watching it back is never the same. Yeah. I, I went up to the Edinburgh Festival recently. It was, it was lovely being in a crowd again. Just that feeling of just sort of watching a comic and um, just feeling the being in the audience. It's amazing. Because like you say, if you just watch a special on telly, you kind of detach from it. You're kind of on your phone, whatever. My, my theory is one of the other things I was going to put in the Wonder Box was the Christmas Radio Times. Oh, okay. The telly. At Christmas, yeah, is so special. And yeah. why is it special? Same reason live comedy special. You watch it together. Yes. The rest of the year, TV is a solitary activity, mm. or sort of goggle box style with the other half on the sofa. Yeah. The whole family watches it. What were those? Can you remember the things that you would watch as a family at Christmas? Uh, things like Blackadder would have been would mm. have been something that would have been you know kind of everyone would acknowledge was kind of brilliant. Yeah. And if you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. That was kind of special. Yes, that kind of running home because it starts, yeah. I feel like that thing of it meant more because it was harder to get. Yes. And there's really something to that as well. One of the other things I would put in the Wonder Box is record stores. Yeah. You buy the record, you get it home, you've got to turn it over every 22 minutes, or whatever it is. Are you still a vinyl guy then? I like vinyl. I like yeah. vinyl. I, mean, I don't use it as much as I should. Yeah. You know, music has become like a scented candle. Yeah. It's a music, but, hey, oh, this is a great song. What is it? I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah. say that the other day in my garden. Where that's great music on. I'm like, oh, what's this? It's great. Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. I have to look. That's the thing. And but we live in an era where music isn't valued because it's free. People don't pay. Well, that's the funny thing of like everyone's sort of like, oh, I really care about Lewis Capaldi's feelings. Well, not enough to buy his songs. You're forcing him to play live when he clearly struggles with that. So it's just bullshit. 79p for a song. Pay it, you fucking cheap shit. I hate Spotify. I'm I'm an iTunes man all the way. I'll always buy it. I just can't. I, really? You know, yeah. See, I, just, I, I mean, I, for me, it's it's. I'm ruined by it. I'm ruined by the fact that, like... But you can afford you, 79p for a song. You like okay. the song. We should all pay for this. Like, it's so frustrating. It is, it, it is really interesting. The, the I've got a mate of mine that's had a billion hits of a song of his, and he's made, like, 10 grand from it. It's just kind of mind-blowing where yes, all the, the kind numbers. of money just goes. Well, also, it's that thing where books did the same thing. Yeah. So books went from going, there'd be maybe three, four hundred novelists yeah. that did pretty well every year. you know, And they sold uh, good good numbers of books. Yeah. And we've got that down to ten. Right, and yeah. musicians now, we sell the same amount of records we sold in the 80s. Yeah. Same amount of money in the business, but now it's ten people sell them. Yeah. It's like, I mean, and, and eventually, presumably, it will end up all being Taylor Swift. Yeah, it'll and, just be. Oh, do you like Taylor Swift? Do you like music? Yes, Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. It'll all be, and she's and, extraordinary. And she's gonna, I'm she's not throwing to do any every, but she's gonna have to do every genre. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. She's a very talented lady. <laughs> yeah, but but it but seems, I mean everything. It seems weird that there's no. Y'all want to hear some grime? Well, I think that's why the why the festival has become so big because people want, you know, there's bands where you know the whole album, because the algorithm is showing you the hits. Yeah, and it's giving you that that fast, easy dopamine. You're not working for it. Can you remember the first song that that gave you that hit when you were a kid? Were you did you used to listen to the radio on a Sunday? I, we used to go and buy records from the Slough Record Centre on the Farnham Road with yeah. my mum on a Monday after school. Right, because the records came out on the Monday. Wow! So we'd go and we'd and the guys in the store knew us and they, we'd play records in the store and that's good. That's good. Uh, and we'd buy like five or six records. Like I'd get one, my brother would get one, mum would get one. Like, but there's a lot of dancing around the house, so it was it was a big thing to kind of play music and and kind of, and pick to pick what your thing was. Yeah, it was kind of the beginning of that thing where kind of a theme through this is identity. You know, it's not what you're like; it's what you like mm. that defines you. And what uh, kind of a dancer were you? Oh, horrific! I mean, un unbelievable. You wouldn't be able to take your eyes off it. Yeah, and we all dance in a very similar way. Like my mum. It's hands up there. I've seen you do no, but that. Yeah, like, yeah. That, but that, like my mum's, she had exactly the same dance. That's so lovely. So weird, right? That, so, I don't know what that, that is. It, you're almost like a very timid boxer. or you're uh, A tiny T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, tiny. Like, tiny and, little T-Rex. A knitting T-Rex. Yeah. You've kind of got that. Do you think that's why you, maybe that's something to do with the vinyl, that it sort of evokes your mum and it evokes that kind of, again, fun. The, 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 I, mean, I think music as well as the, um, you know, it's non-verbal communication. What even is it? 
It's this thing in the ether. You're listening it's to liquid emotion, isn't it? It's and you're, you're you're and you and it's so universal. Mm. Someone plays the B minor, and you sort of go, "Oh yeah, it's sad when people die, though, isn't it?" Yeah. What? I remember. The, the, How is that being? T- yeah. It's insane. Is it? Uh, who's the guy that wrote Captain Corelli's? Is it Louis de Bernier? Um, he said that he took the you know massive book, and he goes, "Yeah, it's not music, though, is it?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It only uh. works if you can if you can read. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? But you could just play the right tune and it just, it's like that Coldplay song, hey, Jerusalem bells are ringing. Yeah. You know, and like there's just a hundred thousand people kind of lost in that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, well, it's kind of tribal. I don't really think they're, they're a really good example of someone that's, um, I don't know, consciously or unconsciously, but Coldplay seem to have had that thing where they go, the, the chanty chorus. Yeah. That feels like tribal, but you know. Haven't you written songs? Didn't you write a song with Robbie Williams? Yeah, occasionally. Okay, so I mean, that, that was that I was, have, it was a great an answer, and then it became an incredible answer. Yeah, yeah occasionally. What, yeah. what what was your song? The, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I think there's a couple. I don't think they were even on the album. I think like messing around, just messing around. How do you mates. get into that world? Well, that was just hanging out. We were just friends, and we were like hanging out at the house. Yeah, I go, we should do something. I'm going to be in the studio, and and sort of pitching lyrics because. Yeah. Don't sing that. Sing this. It's funny. Just being, just being. I, I believe the term. Danny Dyer used it very nicely. I met Danny. He was on our show, and he was on. He was there about half an hour before we went. Think about you, Jimmy. You're a busy cunt. <laughs> I'm a busy cunt. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he's nailed me. It's it's like I will. I'm a joiner inner. I'll yeah. always kind of go. Oh yeah, I've got an idea. I like uh, uh, Danny Dyer. Just briefly, Danny Dyer. What a great guy. I've what never about, met him. He would be. He would be the Wahlberg boy, if he was in America. Right. Working class, tough guy in movies. Yeah, I don't know what. There seems to be a weird class barrier here. Still, it's insane. But it's because those films are. They're all. I always think if it's not if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah, I agree. Of like the that sometimes you want an absolute dumb, great just popcorn movie. Yeah, perfect flick. It's interesting. People are obsessed by their diets, but not their diets. Like people think about what they're eating, what mm-hmm. they're putting in their bodies, mm-hmm. but they don't really think about what they're listening to, what they're consuming, what they're reading mm. in the same way. I was really kind of interested in that recently of kind of going, well, you sort of get out what you put in mm-hmm. and the idea of go, well, what are you listening to? What's what's the kind of, you know, I really like, one of the other things I would put in the, the Wonder Box is it w- I would have called it a book on tape because of my age, but because I started listening to them when I was sort of starting as a comic. I was basically, a, a comic was a, when we started, it was a travelling salesman of jokes yeah. because you were up and down the motorway. Yeah. Like I was like... I, I, and particularly I, you, because we that the South West, there was a, a promoter still still around, Jeff yeah. Whiting. It was kind of like the first guy that... First gig I ever did was 80 quid in Plymouth, which yeah. was, you know... The Club Fandango. Yeah, great so, so Jeff was amazing. But it kind of like, like yourself, uh, Daniel Kitson, Danny Boy, uh, Mickey Flanagan. There's loads of people that, that we could just get gigs with Jeff they were just miles away yeah it was miles away and it was always, it was always like okay well that's on a Tuesday well great I can work every night then yeah yeah which I still like to do I like to work all the time but that thing of like going you were traveling but listening to stuff and having sort of quality interesting things coming mm, in mm. like I love I'm sort of obsessed by great non-fiction yes uh, like I'm 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 fairly dyslexic like it's not really it's not debilitating but it's like I can't really write um particularly well and I've got, to, I mean, really terrible spelling. Like, to the point that Spellcheck goes, ah, I'm not even sure what you're shooting for there, mate. Really? Not even sure what you mean when you write it down. Yeah, I mean, I'm academically, I did very well. Yeah. I did all that. Yeah. But I'm really not not great with, and uh, I, I had to kind of, uh, you know, conjure lots of coping mechanisms to get through. So I find reading slightly boring because I read slower than I think. Right. So it's easy for the mind to wander yeah. when you're reading something and you're, and you're not really consuming it at the speed that you want it. Mm. Um, I'd say there's a really great non-fiction. Have you read Atomic Habits or listened to it? Yeah. yeah. That's a great book. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's superb. It's superb. Just, it, I'd imagine it's right up your alley because you, you strike me as someone that's, you're a, a relentless improver. That's what I would say about you, that you're always trying to sort of tinker with, with yourself. I, I think that, uh, I don't know about that. It's very nice, nice of you to say. No, it's true though, isn't it? I'm trying to be more stoic now. I'm trying, right. to, I'm trying to do less better. I'm trying just to be a stand-up and to get better at stand-up. Right. And just to go and to try new stuff at every gig and to be, not to let myself off the hook. 
Okay. You know, because there is a thing where you can sort of stop writing mm -hmm. for sort of six months or a year. Yeah. And just tour and go, well, I'm doing these dates. I've got this show. It works. Just knock it out. Yeah. And then there's this thing of like, I try and do new stuff. Yeah. Every single show. Do you? Try and do, yeah, at the end of, every, end of every gig, get a bit of paper out and go, right, let's try these. Okay. And it's, it's for me, it's, it's not so much that moment on stage. It's what it made you do that day. It made you, okay, let's have a look. Yeah. I tend to do all my new stuff at the top. And I'll sort of blend it into the place, you know. Like we were in, like, I did Aberystwyth in the Isle of Man, and I was just going to spend a couple of days there and sort of like noticed a few things and sort of slung those in. You go, oh, there might be something in that, but I would never yeah. do it at the end because you've sort of built to this. That's a slightly different thing. I do that much more outside of the UK. I do that if I'm in Vilnius, I'll write some Vilnius bits, yeah, yeah, and some I'm here and what's going on, and but I won't do that particularly in Plymouth or Aberystwyth. Yeah, I'll just go, it's weird, isn't it? But I'll go. This is UK stuff. Yeah, this is, yeah. It's gonna be fine. Because I'm exactly the same. I've got like 20 minutes of like gold for Denmark. But, <laughs> but I can't do it anywhere yeah. other than Denmark. But I'm 11 cities deep in Denmark. I'm big in Denmark. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It, but Huge. it's great, isn't it? It's such... oh, it's, I mean, those places are like, if you go, if you if you can be bothered to go, yeah. people will come out and see you. People, yeah. people want to come and see live comedy. It's also that thing like language. It feels like the English language. Why don't we sling a dictionary in, in your wonder box? Because the English language... It's extraordinary and it's only getting bigger mm. because it was like people used to speak pretty good English and then YouTube came along and went, oh, I'll tell you what, there's no more version original. Yeah. It's all version original because it used to be some countries dubbed. Yeah. France and Germany dubbed. So they had their Jerry Seinfeld doing the voiceover. They had their people, their Stallone. Yeah. That's all gone now. Because it mm. comes out because people are watching clips mm -hmm. on the Instagram and it's not dubbed. No one's paying for the dubbing. So it just everyone's English goes up a gear. But it, that's the great thing, isn't it? Is when you get to stop and think. And I think there's something about gigging in foreign countries. You're like mooching around like Vienna and you, you I don't know, for whatever reason, you, your powers of observation. I think everyone has oh, this. Of course. It's, You're it's, just sort of drifting. You go, that's quite weird. And then being able to go on stage and chat about it is the best. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose that's a, that's again, it's a it's a, a microcosm of what stand up is. Yeah, yeah. It's noticing what's weird. Yeah. What's weird around here? What's um, have you got like little a little bit at the minute you're trying to get going that can't work? Uh, yeah, there's one bit that's a, it's a big thought. Right. Uh, that I'm trying to make work. I'm trying to land. Do you want to hear? Yeah. It's, like, to... it's only it, I'll give you just the, the, the crazy is a numbers game. Right. Some something is crazy until enough people think. It's true, and then you're then it's not crazy anymore. Right, gotcha. And the example would be Donald Trump. That guy's clearly crazy. It's mental that he's running for president. He's a TV host, and then he wins, and he gets fifty-one percent of the vote. And people go, "I guess we've got to take that seriously now." Yeah, we'll take that off our list of crazy things. Yeah, and kind of religion falls into the same thing. And I've got a few examples, and I kind of think it's it's sort of true. If enough people believe something. It goes from being crazy to going, oh, I guess yeah. there must be something to it. And in the world of kind of conspiracy theory, I'm kind of interested in that world and saying something about conspiracy theories. Yes. Well, it's that thing is that it's like um, tyranny is the deliberate removal of nuance. And it feels like that's everything at the minute. Do you know what I mean? Where yes. Everyone it, feels it, like they're, they're... It's like, know. it's all bullshit. It's all true. Well, some of it, you know, yeah, yeah. it'd be so nice to see somebody on the news going, well, a bit of both. Yes. I saw the most ridiculous, diametrically opposed interview on. It was on BBC Breakfast. They were talking about those, you know, those e-scooters, right? Mm -hmm. And they had two people to talk, weigh up the pros and cons of these e-scooters. Right. One of them was a man that owned an e-scooter business, and the other was a blind lady. <laughs> <laughs> and right. You, you know when you just kind of go, well, do, do you know what? They had different opinions. <laughs> yeah. But it was the most, you know when you kind of go, it was just Well, there. the story was never going to end, and they made out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... They had such a row about it. That, and you go, well, the, 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 the point of this was the argument. It wasn't to kind of get anywhere. It was just like, let's have a little squabble. No. Always and, my favourite question in the world is, what was the last thing you changed your mind about? Yeah. Because if you don't have an answer, and it seems like a very simple thing, what's the last thing you changed your mind about? Almost like an identity level belief that you went, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, what, what what is the last thing you change your mind I think, about? I think there's a, there's a, there's a couple of things. I mean, sort of politically, I think uh, it's it's a really interesting time. It's like really, like that thing of like left and right don't really seem to mean anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And and I think being progressive is is like it feels like there needs to be kind of a new party and a new kind of a new movement. 
yes. to like something that comes forward and you can really get behind and go, well, everyone wants progress. Yeah. Everyone wants the world to get better and for people to do better. And I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of that, you know, Stephen Pinker and the idea of like um, enlightenment now and, and the world is better than it's ever been. Yeah. I love that. I love the positivity of it. And I, I love the idea. And I go, yeah, but we can still make improvements. Mm. Yeah. Was the world a better place pre, you know, uh, TV going 24 hours. Uh, yeah. yeah, because the news used to be on once a, twice a day, maybe on the radio, whatever. The, the you could find it if you wanted it, yeah. but it was on in the evening, and people would watch and go, right, that's the news, that's that done. Half an hour of things happened again today. Yeah, what a coincidence. Whereas now we uh, have to have a blind lady and a man from Scooter.com have a fight. Yes, so it's 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 um it's a very odd, yeah, it's an odd thing. I don't know. I don't think it does us that much good because it's it, you. You sort of and you run out of compassion as well. You like you hear about these stories and it's the detail that that breaks your heart. Yeah. But the numbers are just. Yeah, man. You can't get your head around it. Hello. Uh, this 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 the awkward moment in it where I flog tickets, but I'm doing a tour in America uh, in October and then uh, some more gigs in the UK in November. They're kind of mostly so. Anyway. If you want to go, and I'd love you to come, uh, you can book tickets by going to russellhoward.com. Right, plug over. Let's have a chat again. What's the next thing? One last thing. One last thing. Okay. So, or have you got a few? Well, I've got a few, but I, I'm just trying to think of what else would be a... Um... Matt, we've touched on everything else, really, but maybe we should put in the, the Edinburgh Fringe programme. Okay. Because... Post-World War II, they set up a festival in Scotland called uh, the Edinburgh Festival, unsurprisingly. Um, and then a fringe festival, which was like non-official, started on the side of it going, well, we'll put on our own shows at the side and you don't have to be invited. You don't have to be any good. Just put on a show. And that's where and we come in. And that's when, yeah, <laughs> yeah. good evening. Um, uh, and it's and now there's like a free fringe, which is an even more, <laughs> yeah, it's that yeah. again. Yeah. Um, it's unbelievably good. I wish I'd heard about it. I hope someone listening to this is hearing about it for the first time. Don't go to Spain next year, uh, because why are you going to Spain? You want to have fun. If you want to have fun, go to Edinburgh. Yeah. That's where fun is made. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. And there's everything there. There's like... There's, 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 you know, music and there's um, circus and there's comedy and there's there's everything. There's food and there's excitement and fun. And I think when you, I wish I'd gone when I was in my teens and at university or whatever. I didn't discover it till I was in my mid-twenties. We, we met there, this I think is probably it. the first year that, that I was there. I met all my best friends in life kind of in that, yeah. you know, in the trenches of that. And like before being like a, you know, we're both doing great but before that, when we were just kind of in the trenches doing gigs, it was the most fun times. Yeah, man. And I think it's available to all. The barriers to entry are so low. But you yeah. kind of have to go there first. Go go there and check it out and have a look. But that when that programme landed, yeah. and then you would like, you'd go, right, I'll go and see that, that and that, because I've heard of them. I've seen yeah. them on telly. Yeah. They're good. And then if they were good, you could sort of, they'd be sort of your gateway drug. Yeah. They would be your marijuana to get you to the venue. And then at the venue, someone will give you a flyer yeah. and go, do you want to come and see this? And you go, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I'll check that out. And sometimes it would be terrible. Yeah. And it was that wonderful thing of like, I don't know your experience early on, but my experience early on, but sometimes you would see, I remember seeing Pub International, which was, it was Al Murray. That's the a pub Harry Hill. Yeah, yeah. And Harry Hill was doing the show. Yeah. But Harry didn't have, I only had like 40 minutes to joke. So Al did the first like 20 minutes. Was, yeah. And as that character was invented for that. Yeah. I sort of just thought, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's yeah. just, it's superb. Yeah, I, I, I loved every minute of it. And then I went to see some stuff that was absolute dog shit. I mean, yeah. awful. And it made me kind of go, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could try this. Yeah, it's maybe, the, maybe I could be funny. I'd be the, funnier than them, not as funny as them. It's the blend, isn't it? If like, uh, one of my kind of big moments, I remember seeing uh, Daniel Kitson at the BBC. Remember the BBC late comedy show they used to yeah. do in the um, Dome? And he was sort of just riffing off of Adam Hills. And it was kind of like Kitson and his pomp. And it, you know, we've all got those gigs. I remember seeing Phil Kay at the um, Just the Tonic, you know, where they used to do the big value. Yeah. I saw him do a three hour show. There's probably about 14 people in. And it was just mesmerizing. For, for You know what I mean? It's one of my favorite comedy gigs I've ever been to. And then I'd send mates of mine to go watch Phil. And then they go, nah, wasn't happening. Yeah, it just felt like those kind of misfits. It and is interesting. I, I kind of feel like it's the same thing as Anthony Bourdain always used to have this thing of like going, 
don't just go there and go to where I went. Yeah. Have your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing with the Edinburgh Festival. It's like, no, go and have your own adventure. Go and do your thing. Mm-hmm. Because I'm kind of, the Edinburgh Festival for me now, I sort of, I went back one night this, because we had to reschedule yeah. uh, things. So I went back one night and did a gig. But I feel like it's not really I, for me anymore. I've like been, yeah. I've been a little bit like, ah, am I, am I too that, established for that? Yeah, it's, it's for people to get established. But there is a bit of me that goes... Maybe I'll be the gate. Maybe I'll do a couple of shows there next year and just go. Well, I'll be the gateway drug because. Yeah, I think it's a difficult one though because I think you're right, but I think, I think if you do the normal rooms that you would do, in Edinburgh, it's just a bit like yeah, you don't need to do that. I think if you did like a two hundred seater and you were faffing about and just, I think that works. I think I'm otherwise I'm never faffing about. No, but that's what I mean. Otherwise, but, but because you're taking an audience away from your younger self. I yeah, think. yeah, that's sure. the, It's like when. You know, certain comics have gone up there and done huge rooms. You think, come on, man, you can do that yeah. outside of this run. But I don't know, though. I don't know whether it doesn't bring people into the city. Yeah, that's, that's the, true. The argument is, I don't think comedy has ever been. I don't think the Edinburgh Comedy Festival, thinking about it now, is a zero-sum game. I think there's a great... Um, I think it's one of the great misnomers in life. One of the great, Like, the idea of zero-sum. Well, if you're playing Five Nights at the Palladium... I can't play five nights. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can. Yeah. If anything, if you play five nights, how many of those people go, come on, we like going to comedy. Yeah. Should we go and see more comedy? I think like the Little Britain big tour, the arena tour, was a big boost for us. Right. Like our generation. Yeah. Well, like people that had never been out to see comedy went to see that. Yeah. So it opened up. It wasn't that like the people that came to see us in the theatres, but there was a whole other audience that came out to the arenas and went, never been to comedy before, isn't it good? Yeah. And then, they, you know, so Lee Evans broke that down as well for lots of people. Well, lots Lee, of, people, lots yeah. of people, that was their first comedy gig. Yeah, oh, and still, it, it, the role of Lee Evans in sort of like, he's, he would still be a lot of people's favourite because he was just this machine in the kind of 90s that was doing these huge, beloved tours. And I kind of amazing, I find it amazing that he's just not doing it. I like how he just was massive, did all the gigs and went, oh, that's me done. I don't know, yeah. it was because of Anderson. I mean, it's a bit like, Steve Martin. I mean, Steve Martin's book—it's unbelievable. Book, that, isn't standing it? up yet? Yeah, yeah. Best. It turns out one can have a fondness for the one war years. That's yeah. what he said at the beginning. But he was doing stadiums with a small act, like fifty thousand, no screens, and kind of like dancing like an Egyptian. And I hey, yeah. see balloon animals. Kind of mind blowing. It wasn't like back of the room gear. Really small comedy. Really fascinating how. Yeah, how it's great. Was. You've been doing arenas as well in in like, Australia. Uh, when when demand, yeah, I think it's I might, kind of. I might stick some arenas in at the end of the next one. I think it's they're really fun. I remember you saying to me years ago, "Oh, do it. It's an it's an event. It really feels." And I do feel like at the end of a tour, when you've really when it's absolutely like yeah, tight yeah. as a drum, yeah. then that's the time to kind of go. Yeah, and it's it's more of a like. People got being in that big room and like being in the audience in that big room as well. As long as you connect and people are laughing, then I think it can be really special. Yeah, and there's some there's there's certain venues like the Albert Hall. It's technically not an arena, but that feeling when you kind of walk in, Jesus, you really feel it as an audience member or as a performer. You're like, wow, here yeah. we. It's so. Is there something about kind of being amongst friends as well? Like that thing when you go and see a band or whatever, mm. and everyone there is like, yeah, we're all here because we love this. I tell you what's really interesting as well is when they do the, the yonder and they take the phones away. Uh, that, not from a, hey, don't record it content point of view, but it it, it just... Um, People it brings... having the, the first conversation with their wife yeah, in 10 years. but everyone, but you're there. You've got yeah. no other option. So you Turns sort... out she lost her job at Woolworths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had no idea. But, but it's, and Woolworths is under and all. <laughs> but it's that thing that you, you realise they're so focused and you are so, look, it's yeah. when we went to watch Chappelle, do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. And they kind of took our phones away. That was one of my favourite memories at Montreal. It was years, it was just before the kind of rebirth of, of Dave Chappelle. And me and Jim went at Montreal hmm. And um, they kind of he has a DJ and he has a hype man. He gets Trauma. he gets he gets everyone up, yeah. yeah. And uh, everyone was fine. They were dancing, and me, you and me were like, I'm not sure about this. And we were trying to kind of dance. And um, and then Dave came out and said, "Everyone, relax, sit down, take a seat." And you're like, "We would have been fucking sat down, but your mate made us stand up." <laughs> really got me. Would you ever have yeah. a hype man? I'd fucking love you to have a hype man. Yeah, just I, a bloke with a violin. I Get up, you cunt! And then yeah. you roll on. Yeah. Thanks, I Tom. Did, uh, I did gigs with him in Australia recently. Oh, yeah. well, back in January or Jan, Feb. 
did a gig in in arena in the round. Yes, beautiful. I love playing in the round because yeah. it, it actually it's like you're playing a a two thousand seater. Yeah, exactly. just, just as soon as you turn, it's like oh yeah. okay okay okay. You see, it's like that works beautifully. That's how I did it because it exactly that for the like the last three arena tours I did I always did it in the middle because it just it made everything that you maybe you had like a bank of six rather yeah. than you know twenty that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think it's kind of a cool idea. But then also, having done, you know, theatres for, like, the last um, sort of six months, I mean, doing, like, the Liverpool Empire for the first time. I've never done that. That was amazing, Mate, isn't it? Oh, my God. It's the greatest. But just to spend, like, a weekend in Liverpool doing a gig like that, you know, versus the Echo, you know, it was a hoot. Listen, we've got to go. Um, but that, We do have to go. I think we've covered, we've covered we, everything. We've yeah. covered everything. But what's interesting about your um, your box, clearly, it's it's full of... You're a real connoisseur of excellence. That's what it is. You like excellent things, and you like finding the best things, and you like trying to be the best. I, d I don't know. Is that the unifying... What have we put in? We put in a, a tennis court board. Yeah. We put in a coffee machine, a perfect suit. But it was about... Tennis was about flow state. Yeah, it was yeah. about finding... A record player, that thing. I mean, again, uh, books on tape. You know, all it's, it, Edinburgh Fringe Festival. You want the best ideas. You want the best sport. You want the best suit. You want the best coffee. The most fun. And the most fun. That's that's what you're searching for. Yeah. Jimmy well, Carr. I'll let you know Jimmy how I get Carr along. wants fun. That's the book. Yeah. It's a red Lamborghini. It's you led on it. Bl <laughs> blue shorts. Ooh. And and it just says something to wake you up and fuck you up. Good luck. Yeah, it's going to sell like hotcakes. So that was Jimmy. Jimmy will be touring his live show across the US between October and December 2023. And you can find out where he'll be and how to get tickets by going to jimmycar.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
Hello, I'm here with Jimmy Carr. Hello. And producer Dan. Hello. So, let's get cracking with your wonder box. <laughs> 